Welcome to the table of the Lord. The past 12 weeks have felt more like three years instead of three months, haven't they? I mean, in all my 41 years, I have never witnessed or experienced anything like what we're going through right now. In a lot of ways, we're simply not living in the same world that we were living in just three months ago before all of this started. The normal routines that we're, we're used to, that the routines we take for granted, they're just not anywhere to be found. Everything we do now takes more planning than it used to. Everything takes more thought, more effort. If you're able to leave your home at all, you find that everywhere you go feels different. And I think if we're honest, all of this challenge and change, it's put us on edge. It's made it harder for us to deal with the everyday difficulties and the, the disappointments that we have to face. The honest truth is that we're all running a little ragged. We're all redlining somewhere in our souls. We're all, in one way or another, fed up. We're all over it. You can see the signs of this spiritual fatigue and this emotional exhaustion just about anywhere you look in our world right now. It's as if having to maintain six feet of, of physical distance has somehow magnified the relational distance that existed in our world long before COVID-19 showed up. Nowhere, nowhere is this more obvious than in the visible struggle our society is caught up in when it comes to issues of race and racism. As Christians, we know and we declare that all forms of racism are utterly evil and totally in opposition to Jesus' clear command for us to love our neighbors the way we long to be loved. Our commitment to sharing Jesus' love with our neighbors, especially those whose skin color is different from our own, our commitment to loving that, that Christ-like way, it, it has to be more than feelings of sorrow and regret over what someone else might have had to, had to go through. It has to be more than trying to find and then share the perfect post on Facebook or, or Instagram. It has to be stronger than any temptation we might have to, to deny that there's, there's even a problem. It has to be stronger than any, any desire we might have to change the channel, look away, focus on something else. It has to be stronger than the doubts we might wrestle with to believe that that we could do anything, anything at all, to improve the situation for anyone. But brothers and sisters, we have to try. We have to do something. I mean, the reality is apathetic indifference just isn't an option for people of the resurrection and the life, and that's who we are. Jesus didn't command us to have nice, warm feelings about our neighbors deep down in our hearts. He commanded us to actively, outwardly love them, and when we ask Jesus what that kind of love looks like, what his kind of love looks like, he teaches us by being willing to die for us. Jesus shows us what God's love really looks like by giving his life for the sake of the world. And, and brothers and sisters, make no mistake, God calls us to do the same exact thing. You and I, we, we don't get to redefine God's love in a way that makes it easier for us to love. The, the definition of God's love is set in stone, and the shape of that love always takes the form of a cross. The power to save a world like ours, a world that is tearing itself apart, is found in the self-giving love of God, plain and simple. And we're either letting that love lead us to give ourselves away for the sake of others, or we aren't. Plain and simple. Let me be clear. The self-giving love of God 
isn't interested in us winning a theoretical argument about who's right and who's wrong. The self-giving love of God couldn't care less about us running up the score against someone who disagrees with us. The self-giving love of God doesn't encourage us to chase after being in charge at all costs. Instead, the self-giving love of God is constantly asking us if we're willing to do whatever it takes to tear down every wall of hostility that exists in our world, every dividing line, every act of hate. This moment that we're living through together right now is filled with strife and struggle. There is no doubt. Whatever illusion we might have had about our ability to predict the future, it's gone. It's vanished without a trace. And we now know, if, if we didn't already, that we just don't know. We don't know what the future holds. But we do know this. God is with us. God is for us. And when I say us, I mean every single person on the planet. Because as far as our Heavenly Father is concerned, there is no us and them. There's just us. Us sinners in need of grace. And God is standing ready to show us how to actually be grace to one another. How to actually be Christ to one another. God is patiently waiting for us to join him. To stop the bleeding. To fix the brokenness. To bind up every wound. When we promise to give our lives to Jesus, we're doing more than promising to be faithful church attenders. We are also promising to be faithful world healers. That's how big our mission is. That's how essential our calling is. I know that. And you know that. But sometimes we forget. And of all the Sundays that I don't want us to forget, it's this Sunday. Senior Sunday. You know, on many Senior Sundays, I've grown up going to church, and so I've been to, to more than I can remember. I, I have, have felt like over and over again, a lot of times, the primary message we seem to be giving to our graduating seniors is that we hope that they will end up finding a new church home as they launch out into this new chapter of their lives. Let me tell you this morning, seniors, I sincerely hope that you find a wonderful new church home if you end up leaving Abilene. I really do. But I'm not only hoping that you'll end up going to church. I'm hoping that you'll end up healing the world. I don't want you to just go out into the world. I don't want you to just go change the world. I want you, with Jesus' help, to, to heal it. Brothers and sisters, the church does a lot of really important things, but the primary reason the church exists is to empower each one of us to play an active role in making God's dream of a world made right come true. That's not just what we do. It's not, it's not a task that we go to occasionally. It's who we are. If we're Christ followers, that means that we are world healers. And graduates, that's a, that's a divine destiny that's worth giving the rest of your life to. The Apostle Paul talks about our calling to be living, breathing proof that peace really is possible even now, even in this world, even with what we're facing. Peace is possible because of Jesus. We're going to read together in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, 
without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, Paul writes, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. These are the words of the Apostle Paul reminding us of who Jesus is, not just for us, but who Jesus can be through us. Paul says that Jesus came and he preached peace, but he didn't just preach peace. He lived it. And he not only lived it, but he, but he died to make real-life peace possible in a world that often treats peace like it's nothing but wishful thinking, like it's a fairy tale. Jesus died so that we could live lives marked by peace that make peace. Jesus died so that we could put to death all the things that divide us and destroy our sense of sister and brotherhood. Jesus died, Paul says, for a purpose. And that purpose was to create one new humanity, a family where everyone belongs and everyone is cherished. Not only in words, but in action. No sides, no, no winners and losers, no, no competing special interest groups. Jesus lived and died, brothers and sisters, and rose again to create one united human family where every single child of God is treated in ways that help them personally experience the truth that they matter, that their life matters, because they are truly created in the priceless image of God our Father. Last week, right in the middle of, of everything that was going on, you, you might have missed it with everything that was going on, but two U.S. astronauts traveled from Florida, from, from Earth, to the International Space Station. And in absolutely no time, there were posts flying around the Internet, posts where people basically were saying, look, those astronauts, they have the right idea right about now. Leaving our messed up planet, our messed up world, seems like the best thing anybody could do. And... and at first, there was a part of me that related to those comments and those feelings, but within seconds, I realized something. Jesus looked at our world, our angry, violent, divided, broken world, and instead of running even farther away, he turned to his Father. He turned to our Father, and he said, send me there, God. I think I can help. Send me there. Graduating seniors, my hope and my prayer for each one of you is that instead of giving in to the impulse that we all have sometimes, to run away, to, to run away from the places where our world is so obviously broken, I hope and pray that you will instead, like Jesus, ask God to send you there so that with God's help, you can help. Help bring healing. Help lead the way. You don't need to wait until you have all the answers. If you do, you'll never go. You just you need to show up and you need to show love. Brothers and sisters, our world is having really complex and challenging conversations right now. Complex and, and challenging conversations about how to help people who've been treated like they don't matter experience that they do. 
experience their God-given value and worth. And the church shouldn't just be involved in those difficult kinds of conversations. The church should be leading those conversations. Not just by talking, though. We should be leading those conversations by living a better way. We should be leading those conversations by showing people a different kind of future. We should lead them by following Jesus. As we prepare to take the bread and to drink the cup, may we open our hearts to let God make us more and more into people who make peace. We don't force peace, but we make peace. May we ask God to change us more and more into people who actively show everyone, everyone who belongs to this one human family, that we love them, that we love them the way God loves them, that we love them the way we know God loves us. It's who we're called to be. Let's pray together now. God, as we're preparing ourselves to take the bread, we're reminded of the brokenness of your son, that he was willing to, to suffer and go through so that he could heal the brokenness in our lives, so that he could heal the brokenness in our world. God, there's, there's people all over the place reminding us that it feels like our world is on fire. And so we pray that your your cleansing, living water would flood our lives and our minds with hope of a better future. As we gather around this table in one spirit and in one mind, God, we pray that you would help us be the peacemakers you have created us to be. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's pray together again. God, as we prepare to partake in the fruit of the vine that symbolizes for us, that represents to us the lifeblood of your Son, we pray that you would help us to remember that because of Jesus' blood, we're all a part of one human family, that his blood runs through all of our veins. And we pray that you would help us to find a way to not just think about that or talk about that or even believe it, Pray that you would help us to live that truth out in how we relate to one another, how we treat people, especially people who struggle to see their own value and worth because of what the world's done to them. God, we want to be that soft place for people to come home. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.